Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited today to be speaking with someone who works at an organization who works with teams. You know how leaders everywhere struggle to draw the full potential out of their teams? I know as a leadership coach working in the Boston area for the last 14 years that most teams, and when I say most teams, I'm thinking at least 90% of these teams are underled, undermanaged, and underorganized. And my guest today, Brendan Miller, who's the CEO of 34 Strong, helps organizations build highly engaged, strengths-based teams and organizations. And these are teams and organizations that have helped their organizations become some of the best workplaces to work in. The secret is that leaders spend more time thinking about the strengths of their teams. And in fact, 60 years of Gallup research confirms that the most successful organizations, and I would say the most successful teams, have the highest levels of employee engagement, enjoy the benefits of improved retention, improved customer metrics, productivity, and for private sector companies, profit, and for non-private sector companies, I would say business development, right? These are all things that are designed to enhance whatever metrics you are that you're measuring. So please join me in welcoming Brendan. How are you, Brendan? I'm great, Ed. So nice to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today. And I did a light introduction of you, and I think our audience would love to hear a little bit more about what you do and how you and your organization interact in the marketplace. Absolutely. So about 17 years ago, I was introduced to this idea of focusing on people's strengths as a primary uh, avenue for development. And at the time, I would say that was very much not my understanding of development. You assess a person's skills, figure out what they do good, what they don't do good, and you remediate, you fix them, you get them up to par. And so this this thought was uh, a cascade of of understanding that I, I immediately grabbed a hold of and said, this makes a lot of sense. And so got to uh, run with it in the organization I was serving with at the time. And uh, it then uh, grew into my entrepreneurial life and uh, has taken on its own shape. And so now I would say I'm a, I'm a strengths advocate in the workplace, in the home, in schools, across the board to think differently about how we how we raise and develop people. Well, of course, strengths are an area that are of interest to most of us. And I'm curious, is there a platform or a model that you have found or have focused on in respect to helping bring strengths to the world? 
I uh, was at the time introduced to Gallup's Strengths Finder, as it was called then, founded by Dr. Donald Clifton and then in partnership with Dr. George Gallup, and uh, became a, a student of that methodology, uh, really deeply into the philosophy, this idea that we develop people in a conventional path, the one I mentioned, a lot of remediation and fixing and just getting people up to snuff, if you will, uh, as compared to really digging in and getting to know them and what they do best. And so that that's worked for us. It actually plays into the name of our company. There are 34 identified strengths in the world through the Gallup assessment. And uh, we believe that a team needs all 34. A company needs all 34. So 34 strong is our way of communicating the instrument we use and our objective to build strength through uh, a strength-based approach. Well, that is a commitment to a model when you name your company after the the core concepts shared by the, 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 the platform or the structure that's been brought to the world. You know, I'd say that it was a it was a calculated investment, you know, as many business owners will understand. It was I, I was an early adopter and uh, was one of the first seven coaches in the world certified by Gallup to do this work and decided that I, I think we could do a lot of good if we can help people stay on one track. And so far, so good. You know, nine years later, uh, having formed 34 Strong, we've, we've seen some great outcomes inside of organizations using this approach. Well, again, I think it's fantastic that you demonstrate your commitment to the idea and concepts behind the model. And I'm just curious, and I think my first question for you, Brendan, is uh, out of the 34 strengths, is bravery or courage one that has been identified as a strength? It hasn't been by name, but different strengths definitely show up stronger in the face of opposition. Um, every one of them has a way that they can show courage or be brave, but some of them definitely have a measure of resilience. One, for example, is achiever. So achievers are bound and determined to accomplish what it is they set out as a goal or something that they're, they're trying to attain. And that requires that they have to bounce back through opposition or step forward into difficult situations or conversations. And they seem to do well in that space. And just to clarify the work that you do in the marketplace, Brandon, for our listeners, do you work mostly with teams? Are these team activities or do you work mostly with individuals? Both. So we, I, I would say if you were to, to boil down who we spend the most time with, it's managers, middle managers, and their teams. So the management layer, the, the, the people in the middle slugging it out, trying to meet the expectation of their executive leader while also meeting the needs of their team. We spend a lot of time with them and then subsequently with them as a team. And so uh, team team trainings and team sessions are a big part of our work, as is the individual coaching and training for the uh, middle management. I think most of our listeners would be interested to hearing from you, Brendan, a little bit about your assessment or perspective as it pertains to bravery uh, on teams. You know, I'd love for us to talk a little bit about specifically team performance and team behavior. And there are many people who believe that team members oftentimes are just along for the ride. And if people seem to be leaning a certain way or if the meeting owner is leaning a certain way, you know, they just kind of salute and say, sounds good. When in reality, they feel a little bit differently and either don't have the courage or bravery to raise their hand or say something. I'm not attempting to put words in your mouth, but I'm just wondering, you know, what are some of your reflections or observations about 
bravery as it pertains to being a member of a team. Absolutely. And you're describing a very common reality that sometimes we go along to get along, you know, don't don't kick up too much dust. And we have uh, longstanding memories when it comes to how we relate to our boss. And what we find is that many people uh, have learned um, what it is that causes them to stand out or even worse, become embarrassed uh, because they're they're being exposed. And when that happens, um, there's a recoil effect. It's a pullback. It's, well, then I'm not going to stick my neck out. I'm not going to put myself in harm's way. And then it, it silos. It creates a, a safety mechanism that I will refrain my thinking in the general meeting. And I may do my after meeting conversations, share my displeasure, share my challenges. And uh, I can say from experience, uh, I have lived this as a member of a team and been a part of that reality. And, and probably in my career, one of the greatest failures of not being brave had to do with not speaking up when it needed to happen. And, and I can say the reason I didn't back at the time that this occurred was directly because I had been embarrassed. I had been put on the spot and I that memory lingered so deeply in my psyche, I didn't want to feel that pain again. I didn't want to put myself out there. And so when we're talking to leaders and, and to teams about this importance that each voice is heard and given room in a safe space to share, to, to contend, to um, engage in conflict, have, have differing opinions and having it be okay that we have differing opinions um, is, is a very important part of what we do. And it's so ironic, I believe, in respect to team behavior, because one would hope as a team leader that you would want people to raise their hand, ask for more information, maybe share a different perspective. You don't have to necessarily disagree, but you might say, hey, I have another perspective that I'd love to share before we move forward. And yet, ironically, we don't do that. And part of it, I think, might be due to past experiences Part might be assumptions that we make about how people are going to react. Uh, you know, what are some of your thoughts or observations around this, you know, irony that exists where people don't behave the way that we think they should in teams? Absolutely. When we think about developing leaders to create an open space for there to be sharing and, and idea collaborating and, and even up to and including conflicting perspectives and viewpoints. What we learn is that that a, a leader's confidence and a leader's uh, self-awareness and their willingness to, to uh, open up to the reality that they might be wrong. Their idea might not be the best one. And it's almost like a release of a pressure valve when they accept it's okay to not have the best idea. It's okay for one of your team members to bring it forward. That doesn't diminish you. And so as a team member, it's this delicate balance of how do we engage with this person called my boss who sits in control over my schedule and my personal time off and my assignments? Am I able to engage with this person in a way that is, is authentic and it's, it's genuine? Uh, because I'm sure as you know and your listeners know, when someone decides to leave an organization, we've heard this adage, people don't leave organizations, they leave the person that's their boss. They're leaving a person, not a place. And, and so when we're seeking to promote this, it's a dual, it's a dual opportunity. It's the encouragement to the team to continue to, to try to move that forward, to offer perspective, to step into the place of courage while helping the leaders recognize you're the facilitator of this. 
you're opening the door for that to become a part of our team dynamic, our team culture. Well, I love that duality of relationship because I think it's up to an organization and a leader to first create the environment where that type of feedback or thought process or feeling of a different way is welcome and you don't get belittled or judged because you felt differently about something that somebody may have just said, yet you also have to then participate in it, right? It's kind of the classic, you know, I send out a request for updates to an agenda every uh, month and no one ever gets back to me. And so either I stop doing it or, you know, I just get really frustrated. And that's one half of the relationships working well. You're sending it out looking for feedback. I own as part of the recipient to provide feedback, right? You got to keep the wheels turning if you want this type of relationship and behavior. What other types of reasons or experiences have you seen, Brendan, that may prevent people from being brave at meetings? You've Absolutely. talked about a few of them. Yeah, as you were talking, it was it was dawning on me, you know, when I think about our work with with strengths, and this is the diversity of having 34 different categories, is that it is not possible for me leveraging the strengths that are most innate and known by me to have the full picture. It's not possible. Um, out of 34, you probably operate in 10 of them uh, very often, maybe another five routinely, but you're there's a whole half of that grouping that you're not seeing the picture the same way that person will. And so it, as a leader recognizes the power of diversity of thought, diversity of perspective, the power of seeing the viewpoint from, from another, another source, another place that in this allows us to make a more comprehensive, well thought through collaborative decision. And, and because when we think about strengths, often it's very popular. It's very populous because it, it's, it's feel good. It's, we're going to tell you what's right with you, not what's wrong with you. And when we do, we expect you to be that person though. <laughs> we, we want you to actually bring that perspective. So I'll give you an example. I have a very high strength of activator and a team member with a very high strength of deliberative. And think of these as polar opposites. So I'm the gas pedal. He's the brake pedal in how we conversate. And so there are times my activator becomes impatient with his deliberative and vice versa. His deliberative gets nervous that my activator is moving too fast. And what it has allowed for with this team member and I is this beautiful collaboration around what does your deliberative see? How are you processing this? Share with me what you're, where you're contemplating. What am I not seeing? And for him, it's share with me when it's time to go because I might deliberate too long and we need to at some point engage. And, and so we've, we've allowed that to grow up among us and, and all the, the 34 strengths is give us a language to use. Well, even if a group didn't have the language, there's still the opportunity to respect that a person of a different generation, person of a different ethnicity, a person coming from a different career, education, different backgrounds, facilitating open collaborative dialogue that I like to say we haven't really reached a true consensus until somebody's face gets red, <laughs> until somebody has been able to share their opinion with some passion. And, 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 and as a leader, we like to say, if you, if you, if you reach that, you did a great job because <laughs> now you've really allowed someone to step into a, a space of bravery, a space of courage. They shared their perspective. Maybe it's the one you go with, maybe not. And they're still encouraged to share again. Well, I love that takeaway, Brendan, and I'll repeat it for our listeners. And this is something that I think all leaders, whether you're a 
organizational leader or a team leader needs to recognize, which is the power of the diversity of thought, that just because you have an idea doesn't make it the only one. It doesn't make it the best one. And again, it's a relationship. There's a duality. You need to create a place where people know that they can share other ideas or other perspectives. They may not be the ones that are chosen, but at least you've provided the opportunity to do so. I think we've also seen studies where people feel better, uh, even if their idea isn't selected, that they at least had an opportunity to share it. People get very frustrated if they can't share something. And uh, I think going back to your profile, you know, they go to the water cooler and talk about it after the meeting, but they didn't say something at the meeting. So recognizing this power of diversity of thought, I think, is really, really memorable. So what's one or two things, Brendan, that people can do to practice or try to get better being braver on a team? That if you're at a team meeting and you need to do something, that you do it. Yeah, I would say the first thing we teach leaders and team members is practice at home. Start your if 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 what you recognize is that you're hedging and you know it, you know it. And and when I think about my career and recognizing that that occurred, I didn't feel good about that. And and so when my opinion would come out, it often didn't come out elegant. <laughs> it came out rushed. It came out forceful. And I found that that I would carry that into my home, my my personal space. And so recognizing that we, we don't compartmentalize well, as much as we think we have a professional self and a personal self, really that wall doesn't exist. And, and when COVID sent us all home, that wall disappeared <laughs> because now work and home were in the same place happening at the same time for many of us. And so practicing at home is learning how to be a person in your personal space who is open to ideas and being open to share. And when you feel that, ooh, is this the time to share? The only way to learn whether it is or isn't is to put it out there. And if it comes in the form, this is really powerful, of a question. If it's asked, what about this? Or have we thought about that? A question can disarm the listener. It's not, it's not me telling you you're wrong. It's me asking for a different way to look at it. And if I could practice at home, now I'm now I have some tools to use. I have some ways to engage this in the workplace. Fantastic. I am a huge fan of practice professionally. I think we forget that we should practice. You know, I am a person who hates using sports analogies, but it just seems to always fit that the basketball or golf professionals that we see got that way through practice. You know, Tiger Woods just didn't wake up one day and hit a golf ball 300 yards because he could, but he took hours, right? So we have to practice these behaviors. Yet in the workplace, we act as though these are things that you turn on and off like a light switch, that you just do it or don't do it, and in reality that they take practice. Brendan, you mentioned a few minutes ago uh, a time where you might not have been braver in the workplace because you didn't raise your hand. Uh, is that the story that you would share about bravery or absence of bravery in the workplace or do you I have would. a story that you'd love to share? Yeah, I, I was one of those people who was unfortunate to have a bad boss. I had a boss that- They're uh, out there. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's more of them than good ones in, in just real terms. Well, my bad boss at the time enjoyed dividing and conquering, enjoyed isolating in order to get whatever the agenda item was. And- as I elevated in the organization, I came to a point where I had the position where I could have addressed it with the leader. I could have stepped into the fray and said, I, I see what you're doing, and this is actually creating division. It's creating toxicity. This is not healthy. And, and I delayed. 
in, in stepping into that because I was afraid of the consequence to me. When I finally reached the point where enough is enough, and now I had to accept I was complicit in what was happening because I had the position and the ability to do something about it. And so by the time I did, what I had to resolve at the time is, is Ed, uh, that I would never want to lead a team that way again. I wouldn't want to lead a company again that way. I would want to, to learn from my mistake and be in a space to support and encourage others that when you see something happening, it's, it's what we hear at the airport, see it, you know, see something, say something. To be able to acknowledge that poor behavior will continue if it's not addressed. And, and for those of us who lead people, I believe it helps us. It, it speaks to our own courage when we're willing to accept that something we're doing is not having the intended outcome. And we, we encourage people to let us know, oh, I might be off base. And I mentioned I have a strength of activator. Activators, we like to go. We like to get things started. Well, sometimes we don't take into account all of the feelings in a space before we do that. We're not, we're not hearing how people um, are, are handling it emotionally. And you know, science tells us 80% of decisions are emotion-based. It's, it's limbic system. We, we respond. Well, if I'm not taking the time to acknowledge and leveraging my partners who might have high empathy or high or harmony, more uh, in uh, intuitive strengths around how people are feeling, I can run over people. <laughs> I become the steamroller. And so it's served me well now as a leader to have someone remind me, hey, you might want to ask where people are at right now. Are, are we all together? Oh my gosh, game changer, total game changer. Now we have consensus and now we've opened it up and I, I've learned how to regulate a strength. Something that's really good can be used for powerful purposes, but too much is not good. <laughs> and so that's some of that takeaway from that experience is I think if, if I had acted earlier, Ed, I might've helped that leader. I might've, I might've had a better impact. Unfortunately, the situation did not turn out well. I had to leave. So this actually led to a departure and a, and a reframe of, uh, my direction. And looking back, I, I do hold the the gratitude for the experience and the, the gratitude that I could take that now, bring it forward and, and affect change. Well, I appreciate you sharing that story. And I would just observe, Brendan, that you really possess the capability, it sounds, as someone who is self-aware enough to recognize how others experience them in the workplace and attempt to, you know, put a governor on it so that you, more often than not, nobody's perfect. I'm sure sometimes you accelerate and they have to say, hey, wait a minute, but, you know, uh, that you're aware of it, right? And you attempt to do things in order to navigate through it effectively. So thank you so much for your time today and your observations about strengths and bravery at work. If folks want to hear more about your organization and the work that you're doing, how can they get in contact with you? Great way to reach us is 34, the number 34, the word strong.com. And if you visit the site and you mention you heard me here with Ed, um, we'd be happy to give you a, a code to learn your own strengths. We love to, to take uh, from our learning and offer that to people as a way to just spark conversation. Maybe uh, many people do know about StrengthsFinder, Clifton Strengths, but if you haven't or you haven't done a long time, reach out, take a look. It, it's a great experience. Uh, might be something worthwhile as you're on your journey in the new year. Well, thank you so much for that offer. And I am a big fan of building self-awareness. So if there are any tools out there, including the tool that Brendan is talking about that can help you 
build your awareness on how people might be experiencing you in the workplace, I strongly encourage you to take advantage of it. So, Brendan, thank you once again for joining us. My pleasure, Ed. Thank you for having me. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today. And we hope you join us on our next podcast conversation as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at CabotRisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback on Kindle and in audio everywhere online. Do you have something to say yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.